two, one, two, hit. This ain't no disco. It ain't no country club either. This is LA. All I wanna do is have a little fun before I die. Says a man next to me out of nowhere. It's apropos of nothing. He says his name is William, but I'm sure he's Bill or Billy or Mac or Buddy. And he's plain ugly to me. And I wonder if he's ever had a day of fun in his whole life. We are drinking beer at noon on Tuesday in a bar that faces a giant car wash. The good people of the world are washing their cars on their lunch break, posing and scrubbing as best they can in skirts and suits. They drive their shiny Datsuns and Buicks back to the phone company and the record store too. Well, then nothing like Billy and me is all I wanna do is have some fun.
Ladies and gentlemen, Cheryl Crow with new hair coloring. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we uh, ask that you would help us to see your heart and that you would help us to understand our own hearts and how they're meant to fit together. In Jesus' name, we ask that you would help us to preach. Amen. Well, if you thought that was a weird offertory, uh, you need to know that this sermon is a continuation of last week's uh, sermon, which kind of explained that offertory a bit. And so I asked the band uh, to play the song over again to get us back to where we were. And uh, last week I told you that I used to spend a lot of time driving in my car listening to that song, still do sometimes, fantasizing about sitting in the bar across from the car wash on Santa Monica Boulevard where we used to live, um, just hanging out with William and Cheryl. Incognito. Incognito because if they knew what I did for a living, that would wreck it. Party over. Because they would expect me to judge them. And I would kind of feel this pressure that I needed to judge them. They would expect me to turn them into my like evangelism project. And I would feel a pressure to kind of turn them into that project. You see, they'd expect me to use them for some purpose like building my church or an evangelism program or perhaps building my ego. And I'd probably begin to use them and then I'd feel all depressed that I did. But whatever the case, it wouldn't be fun. And I just want to have some fun. Fun. You know, that's a word that does not appear in my English Bible. And yet I'm pretty dang sure that people in Jesus' day wanted to have fun. And so I asked myself, well, what's the biblical word that best describes fun? And I think it's this word, the Greek word makarios. It's often translated happy. According to Kill's Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, leading authority on all this kind of stuff, it denotes the transcendent happiness of a life beyond care, labor, and death. Makarios. Sounds like hardcore fun to me. Not like depression and woe. This week I, I read a recent government survey revealing that personal caregivers, followed by waiters, cooks, and bartenders, followed by doctors and nurses, had the highest rate of depression among all professions. Think about it, caregivers, bartenders, and doctors. That is, people who are paid to love. I also read a recent article that lumped pastors, professional pastors in that group, 70% reporting constant battle with depression, with not fun. And you see, these Pharisees really were not much fun. The Pharisees were not much fun. Jesuit priest Anthony DeMello writes, religious people have a natural bent for cruelty because they all too easily sacrifice persons for the advancement of a purpose. In other words, religious people tend to use people 
in the name of love. That's, that's depressing. And so I get depressed and fantasize about hanging out with drunks in a bar on Santa Monica Boulevard. And yet I never did. Because I hang out with my children. You see, drunk people and little children have something in common. They are both people stripped of pretense, self-consciousness, and pride. Little children, because they do not yet have those things. Drunk people, because they are numbing the brain cells with which they maintain those things. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. You see, there is something else that can strip you of pretense, self-consciousness, and pride and turn you into a little child far more permanently and eventually, or maybe always more effectively than, than wine. To enter the kingdom, you must become like a child, said Jesus. Children know how to have fun. They party. And so, like I was saying, for 21 years now, my favorite parties have been with my children. And you see, that started when they were little children. That's important. They were little children, when they had no pretense, self-consciousness, and pride. It started when they were good for nothing, just good. You see, that's the thing that really surprised me as a new dad. My kids were good for nothing. I mean, they just, devo just devoured all my time, all my energy, all my resources, and produced nothing, nothing. And yet each one of them was like a great banquet. Just fun. Just loved to be with them. Each one good for nothing, just good. Just breath of God with very little dirt and no fig leaves with which to cover it up. Like Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. Well, over time, each of my kids has become good for something. And the good for something covers the good for nothing. So the world uses them because they're good for something. The world sees degrees and awards, successes and failures. The world sees vessels of clay and fig leaves. The world sees a couple of college girls and, and assigns to them a value in proportion to their GPA. But I see this. I'm their dad. And I still see them an intrinsic, unconditional wonder, the, the breath of God. They're my daughters, Elizabeth on your left and Rebecca on your right. And this has been an emotional week for me because both of them went off to school at CSU. Elizabeth, last Friday we took Becky up on Wednesday, Elizabeth a junior, Becky a freshman, and, and, I, and I really miss them. I even miss the Disney videos that are still strewn across the TV room floor. They still love them. Cinderella, Ariel, the Mermaid, Belle, Beauty and the Beast. Becky used to tell people Pretty Pretty Princess was, was her middle name. <laughs> well, you see, to me, they each are more valuable than any other girls in the world. And you realize there are billions of girls in the world. They are the most fascinating, intriguing, and breathtakingly beautiful girls in the world. They are, but not for any objective reason. Only because I've seen them when they were good for nothing. Just good. Just breath of God. 
And I still see them. Ironically, I see them best when the pretense of this world, when the dirt and the dust is stripped away, uh, not when they're a great success, but when they're humbled, when they feel insecure, inadequate, and foolish, like on their first day of going to college, when they long for my love, then I see them best. Breath of God. Look around this room. Just go ahead. Look. Turn your head. Swivels on your neck. You realize that you are surrounded by the breath of God? You are surrounded by the most fascinating, intriguing, and beautiful people in the world. If only, if only you could see them. Well, like I said, I've had the best parties with my kids. And I've had the second best parties with people that act like kids, people that have been humbled. In other words, I like to party with idiots and fools. I mean, don't you? I mean, seriously, a, a good party, someone has to wear a lampshade. Children will do that. Well, anyway, children are like the ingredients for a great party. But they're not always a party. I remember this uh, one particular day uh, John's probably a little older in this picture, but John was four and Elizabeth on the right was three. And I took him to the store with me um, in order to get some milk, in order to give Susan a break because they had been fighting like all day. And they were still fighting in, in the minivan. I mean, fighting over who got to hold the slinky, who got to sit in the front seat, which is the place of honor. It was just miserable. And I had been begging them to say something nice, and then John did. I mean, it was like a miracle that set off a chain reaction uh, that turned into a party. When I got home, I grabbed a pencil and I wrote it all down as much as I could remember. I'd only done this a few times, but this was one of them. They were fighting. I begged for a kind word, a gracious word, and then Jonathan said, hey, Elizabeth, I'll get you a car for your birthday. And Elizabeth said, well, I don't want one. And I said, John, try lipstick. Maybe she, and he said, I'll get you lipstick for your birthday. And then she said, well, yeah, I'd like that. Inspired by her response, he started telling her all the things that he'd get her for her birthday and he wouldn't stop. He said this, and I quote, cakes and an Ariel cake and a poo cake. That's a Winnie the Pooh cake. Each time Elizabeth would squeal, she'd squeal, oh yeah, I'd like that. Darkwing duck, pink lipstick, a zebra and a two. Elizabeth interrupted and said, and snow and dollies? And Jonathan said, yes, I will get you 20 dollies and 20 houses and a stop sign and a lighted bunchy. I don't even know what that is. And a Mr. Bucket and a slinky and a number of 506 and Elizabeth squealed and the campfire will you get me a campfire and Jonathan said oh yes I will get you a campfire and John just kept going like that until we got to the store we got to the store Elizabeth said Jonathan let's hold hands and on the way home you can write on my lap that didn't that didn't happen but on the way home Elizabeth told Jonathan everything that she would get him for his birthday. Exercise, pants, a horse, snow, and a light. And she, she just kept going. And each time John would say, oh yeah, Elizabeth, I'd like that. And I was happy. It was like the best party I'd been to in years. I was happy, it was fun. And you see, it really had no purpose. It produced nothing. I mean, it was absurd. And if they were to get any of that stuff for the other on their birthday, I would pay for it. <laughs> but you see, I would gladly pay for it. 
because for a moment, my children saw what I saw. Their father saw the breath of God. And it was a party, good for nothing, just good. And, and just think of it. It was there all along. The ingredients were there all along. We just had to get the party started. How do we get the party started? Luke chapter 14, verse 1. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. Now, remember, this is a party, and they're watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. He was probably disfigured and lame. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and the Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. And then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And as you know, this kind of offended the, the Pharisees. And Jesus said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, Sabbath day, by the way, as we talked about last week, was party day, on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out, and they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited. When he noticed how they chose places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor. Let someone more distinguished than you be invited uh, than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, a party, and every Sabbath was, was a banquet, a feast. When you give a party, a dinner, a banquet, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. That is, invite people like the disfigured lame man with dropsy that, that we just sent away. Invite people like William at the bar on Santa Monica Boulevard. Invite children. Invite people without much dirt and dust and fig leaves covering up that breath. Invite people stripped of honor and unable to repay. Verse 13, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be blessed. Blessed is the word makarios, which means happy or fun, having fun. So having fun, happy, blessed will you be when you throw parties for no reason, for no blessing in return. You'll have fun when you give fun and stop worrying about getting fun, for it is more blessed Macarius to give than receive. Blessed are you when you throw non-purpose driven parties. Have you ever been invited to a party 
by like an old friend from high school, this happened to me, uh, who you think really just wants to see you and they missed you. And in the middle of the party, they try to sell you life insurance, <laughs> right? Or cleaning products. Is it fun? <laughs> you ever thrown a party like that? It's not fun, is it? You ever been invited to a party by, a, by an old uh, friend from high school and in the middle of the party, he tries to convert you to something? Is it fun? You ever thrown a party like that? Was it fun? I read about a bejeweled English socialite who stepped out of a high-class hotel in London. She'd been dining and dancing at a charity ball for street children. She was about to get into her Rolls Royce when this child, a homeless child, came up to her and he said, spare some change, uh, ma'am, I haven't eaten for two days. And, and she just looked at him in shock. She recoiled and then she shot back, you ungrateful wretch, don't you know that I've been dancing for you all night long? Don't you know? You see, she went to the ball and missed the party because that child was the party. She'd have to humble herself to join that party. Imagine if I said to myself, self, you know, self, a, a good pastor, a good pastor would go down to the bar on Santa Monica Boulevard and witness to the last and the least, like, uh, like William and, and Cheryl uh, down by the car wash. Imagine if I partied with them in order to save them. Wouldn't I be exalting myself over them? And thus using them? and thus unable to truly see them, and thus no longer blessed is me, but woe is me. Depressed is me. For then I'm loving for some other purpose. I'm loving to be repaid. I'm a purpose-driven party. And in some circles, they call that prostitution. Looks like a party, tastes like hell. Like we said last time, I am not the judge, the savior, or the redeemer. However, I am called to be a witness to the judge, the savior, and the redeemer. And I do bear witness to the judge, the savior, and the redeemer when I love people. But if I love people for any other reason than love, it's not love. You see, love is its own reason. So imagine if I went to the bar on Santa Monica Boulevard because I loved William. I mean, because I genuinely liked William, because I, I genuinely just wanted to be with him. I wanted to be with William. Well, then it might be fun for me and for William. And if I went, went to the bar to be with William, who would go with me? Jesus. 
And Jesus is the judge, the savior, and the redeemer. And now you might be thinking to yourself, hey, hey, wait, hey, wait a minute. Um, if Jesus is the judge, the savior, and the redeemer, doesn't he exalt himself over those that he judges, saves, and redeems? No! And that's the wonder and the absolute beauty of Jesus. The thing that we do not get, he humbles himself. In fact, he judges, he saves, and he redeems by humbling himself, by becoming the very last and the very least, and he humbles himself because he is love. So get this, he doesn't love us in order to save us. He saves us because he already loves us. He doesn't throw parties for a purpose. Parties are his purpose. <laughs> So he humbles himself to party with you. What are parties? Parties are people filled with love. Philippians 2, 3, Paul writes, do nothing from rivalry, competition, conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. That's like very last and very least. Made himself nothing. Taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, the glory of God the Father. That will be an incredible party. And what's the purpose of that party? That party is the purpose. It's Jesus, the life of God, the love of God, having filled all things. It's the kingdom of God. God has no purpose. He is the purpose. He is love. And so Christ humbled himself to party with you. At the cross, Jesus took his party, which is himself, and descended into hell to party with the last and the least. In other words, Jesus goes to the bar on Santa Monica Boulevard because William is his party. Jesus goes to the slums of New York and the slums of Port-au-Prince, Haiti um, to party with the poor because the poor are his party. Jesus humbles himself to party with us and God exalts his party. Blessed, Macarius are the poor in spirit, said Jesus. Of them consists the kingdom of God. So go to the bar loving Jesus and loving William. And don't be surprised if William meets Jesus. And what's your reward? William. At last you see him. He's your brother. The party consists of him. Verse 13, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed 
because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And then, and then Jesus tells the story we talked about last week. But, but look at that again, verse 14. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You will be repaid at. The preposition in Greek is normally translated in, by, or with. You will be repaid in, by, or with the resurrection of the just. Who are the just? Luke 18, Jesus tells us, using the very same phraseology, the just are the humbled whom God exalts. The just one is the man who admits his sin and believes God's grace. The just is the one who loses his pride and joins the party. The just is the one who loves for no reason because love is the reason. And so, the one who throws parties for no purpose will be rewarded with the party for no purpose. For that party is the purpose, the kingdom of God. So what's my payment for loving my kids? My kids. <laughs> and make no mistake, love in this world can get you crucified. I mean, I mean it, can, it can really hurt, but the reward for loving my kids is loving my kids. The reward for loving my enemies, do you know what it is? <laughs> my enemies. See, that's the problem. Sometimes I don't want that reward. <laughs> the reward for loving my enemies is my enemies as friends. You see, the payment for the party is the party. The payment for love is love. But if you love for pay, it's not love. It's prostitution. If you love for what a person will do for you or what God will do for you, it's sin. If you use Love, you crucify love. And that's the heart of sin. And we're all sinners. And church is supposed to be a party. And so we sit around looking at each other wondering, how do we get this party started? Well, Jesus said, humble yourself. That is, lose yourself. But how do you humble yourself? You know, if you try to humble yourself with yourself, isn't it just more self? I mean, you, you all know this. Because think about it. If you, you go to a party and you think, don't think about myself. Don't think about myself. I, I gotta stop thinking about it. I gotta just get my mind out. I don't think about myself. I think more and more and more about myself. I go to a party all insecure and, and I think to myself, Peter, don't be so insecure. Don't, don't be insecure. Peter, you are so stinking insecure. Don't be insecure! And I get even more insecure. Stuck on me. To humble myself, I must be humbled by something greater than myself, which is not of myself. Remember our video from uh, last week? from the movie Chocolat, the mayor of the town felt responsible for the town and responsible for the party and thus killed the party. Do you remember how he was humbled?
felt like it was his job to control the banquet and to produce the banquet. And so he tried to destroy that chocolate banquet, so he attacked the chocolate banquet and in the process tasted the chocolate banquet and then lost himself in the chocolate banquet and joined the party. Do you remember how the Pharisees were humbled? They hated Christ's banquet of grace, and so they attacked the banquet, broke his body, shed his blood. But when they see that banquet and taste that banquet, like Saul of Tarsus, what happens? They lose themselves and join the party. See, with this fallen world, God makes us hungry for grace, and then he gives us grace, his banquet of grace. It's his grace, his kindness that leads us to repentance. Repentance of what? Ourselves, our arrogance, our pride. And then we can join the party. When the kids were little and they'd uh, have a party, all these little kids would sit in the room, stare at each other, and so Susan would make up gift bags full of party favors. The kids would take their bags, they, they, they'd open the gifts bags and, and then forget themselves and show somebody else their favor. Look at this, look at that, look at this. And that's how we get the party started. Jesus is the party favor. When you see him, you forget yourself and show someone else amazing grace. It's how the father gets the party started. And it's how we are to get the party started for others, his grace. This is Luke 14 we're looking at. Luke 15 is full of parties. Luke 16, Jesus tells about a dishonest steward. Amazing story. He's in charge of collecting his master's debts. When the steward gets in trouble and loses his job, he goes to all his master's debtors and he forgives their debts in the name of the master. I mean, we expect him to just get totally fried by, by the master, but the master commends him. See, he, what he did is he starts parties so that when he loses his livelihood, he'll be welcomed into these parties. And then Jesus says this, use your unrighteous wealth. Unrighteous wealth. In other words, you think it belongs to you, but it doesn't belong to you. Your father paid for it. It belongs to him. Use your stolen stuff to win friends that they will receive you into the eternal habitations. You see, our father gives us everything in order that we would throw parties for each other. Snow, dollies, campfires, lipsticks. We're to use things to love people and never use people to love things. And now get this, the Father even gives you the authority to pronounce the forgiveness of sins, the forgiveness of debts against himself. He gladly pays for this party with his own body and his own blood. He wants you to give himself to your brothers and sisters for their birthday. He wants you to announce the acceptable year 
of the Lord's favor, Luke chapter 4, the forgiveness of debts, all is forgiven, come to the banquet. That's what you're called to announce. All is forgiven. Let the party begin. All is forgiven. The only catch is that there is no catch. In other words, you must believe that you cannot repay. You must have faith in grace. Why? Because the party is grace. Father is throwing a party and he will not be repaid. Blessed is he. Fun is he. The kingdom of God is a party. Church is to be a party. Today, we're throwing a party, a non-purpose driven party. So if you go to the party and you think to yourself, you know, this party isn't working. You probably haven't arrived at the party because you're partying for some other reason, which means you haven't arrived and, and it can't be fun. You, you know, if you go to house church, sit around, analyze everybody, and think to yourself, this house church isn't working. You probably haven't arrived at church. I mean, you're loving for some other reason, which isn't love, and, and it won't be fun. Jesus teaches when you go to a party, forget you, humble you, lose you, and your agenda. In other words, ask people questions about themselves. Get fascinated at the wonder that is them. Lose yourself in loving them. Jesus even hides his banquet within them. You'll watch this in a minute. He's going to hide his banquet within them. Lose yourself in loving them like Jesus lost himself in loving you, and God will exalt you. And them, a party, life. You, you see, the church is a party pregnant with life. The church is Christ's bride. If you just say, uh, hey, my bride just isn't working for me. Well, it means that you want her to work for you. It means that to you, she is like, well, a prostitute. <laughs> and you have not yet seen her. Remember Tony Campolo? He uh, spoke at some church retreats for us years ago. He used to tell about a particular night in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, that I kept thinking about this week. On this night, he was walking back to the Holiday Inn, the Holy Day Inn, when three girls intercepted him on the street. He said they looked like they were about 15 or 16 years old, just, just a little bit younger than my daughters Elizabeth and Rebecca now. The, the one in the middle said, hey, mister, for $10, you can have me all night long. Tony said he looked at her and then he looked at the, the girl next to her and he said, and how about you? Can I have you for $10 all night long? And she nodded. And then he looked at the third one. He said, you know, it's really hard to look sexy when you're 15 and hungry and don't know where you're going to get your dinner. But he asked her the same question. Do I get you for $10 all night long? She swallowed her shame and her contempt for this old man, and she said, yeah. And he said, great, I get all three of you for, for $30. I got $30, I'm in room 210. I want you to come to room 210 in a half an hour. I'll, I'll, I'll pay you then. But I get all three of you all night long, $30. Tony said he ran up to the room 
grabbed the phone, called down to the concierge, and he said, I, I want you to send up Disney videos. Every Disney video? You got, I want them all. I want you to send them to room 210. And he said, and I want ice cream. I want banana splits, really big banana splits, you know, with like extra nuts and extra fudge and extra whipped cream and, and tons of chocolate syrup. You know, uh, chocolate syrup like a, like a chocolate banquet. I want, I want four of them. I want four of them. Within a half hour, the videos arrived. The girls arrived, and then the banana splits arrived. And Tony paid those girls to watch Disney movies and eat the banana splits with him all night long. They had a party. Watch cartoons, Cinderella, Ariel the Mermaid. He said about one o'clock, the girls fell asleep, sprawled across the hotel bed, and he sat there in the stuffed chair across the room, just, just looking at these girls. And he thought, what's the point? Nothing's changed. Tomorrow they'll be back on the streets selling themselves to dirty old men for $10 a pop. And they'll call it a party, but it's a, it's a piece of hell. Nothing's changed. And then he said he, he heard the breath of God, the spirit within him say, but Tony, for one night, you let them be little girls. So what's the point? The party is the point. It has no purpose, for it is the purpose. It looks like nothing, but God will exalt it, for it is everything. It is love. God is love. So you see, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Luke records that on the night Jesus was delivered up, he threw a party. He hosted a banquet for his 12 disciples, like the 12 tribes, like us, his bride, his unfaithful bride. For you see, all 12 that night would abandon him. One would deny him, one would betray him. In this world, they had been used, and so they would use. If, if they loved, they loved him in order to, to be repaid, and, and Jesus knew it. And he still threw the party. He still said what Luke records. I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The vocabulary Luke uses is really rather shocking. It's normally translated lust, epithumia. In desire, I have desired, I've longed to eat this dinner with you. You see, even then for Jesus, Love was fun. He loves to love. Even when, maybe especially when, we repay him with hell. He still gives us his banquet. He's blessed. And so on that night,
that he was betrayed. That night he took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you. Do it in remembrance of me. And we repay him with hell. And he still gives his banquet. You see, he's blessed. And he wants us to be blessed. He wants the whole world to be blessed. To have fun forever without end. It doesn't have a purpose because it is the purpose. Everything filled with love, and God is love, and it begins here, and it begins now, by faith. In Jesus' name, come to the banquet. Black cups are wine, light cups are juice. They are both the unconditional love of Jesus the Christ for you. So you are the bride of Christ. Do you understand that? You're not a prostitute. He has purchased you with his own body and his own blood. And what are we doing in this painful world of ours? He's getting the party started. But the party will not fail because the party is reality itself. And so uh, 80 days of commanded feasting in the Old Testament. We talked about that last week. That's incredible. Um, Deuteronomy 14, God commands Israel to take one-tenth of their annual, what, gross national product and devote it to a party in which they are to take whatever their appetite desires, ox and sheep, wine, strong drink, whatever their heart desires, and they are uh, to celebrate. I mean, in the Old Testament, that's where they're all uptight and everything. They had to spend two, we would have had to spend two million dollars on this party if we were uh, uh, legalistic, okay, but we didn't. All right, so, um, and then Jesus comes, and what does he do? His very first miracle, turning water into wine at a wedding banquet where people have already had too much to drink. One of our board members said, well, I want to bring free beer. So uh, we've got beer at this party. But listen, if you're addicted, don't drink it. Why? Because it sucks for you, okay? But our job is not to be the judge of, of the world. Jesus is the judge, and, and he does judge. And so uh, we hope that, uh, have a beer if you want, okay? Also, uh, uh, Jesus is, um, he, he started the great banquet with his own body and his own blood. And this is just the doorway. This is just the beginning of the banquet that lasts forever, the party that is the kingdom of God, the wedding supper of the Lamb. And so today, we want to throw a party. And I want you to help throw the party. And that means that you party without a reason. What I mean by that is when you party, you don't expect repayment. And now that may look like some different things. It may look like you paying for somebody's lunch. Um, we've had some people that have paid for a whole lot of this party already, and part of our budget will probably pay for it, but pay for somebody's lunch. Even more importantly, um, when you go to the party, look for people that are lonely and, and just Try to party with them. Ask them questions. Get in um, to their life. Uh, 
throw, throw a party for them and be blessed. Fun. In Jesus' name.